In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Mary and Martha. In our gospel today, we find these two women who invited Jesus into their home. Said another way, they invited God to invade their private space. I was raised in the Roman Catholic tradition, and there came a time in my teen years when I did what Martha and Mary did. I invited Jesus to come inside of where I lived. Not a building, but my heart. The invitation was the easy part. The hard part came later when this question entered my mind. Now what do I do? I want to share with you some ways that people from other cultures welcome outsiders into their space. Now, to be clear, I am sharing only to illustrate a point, and I am not suggesting you try any of these. <laughs> when welcoming a guest in a home in Mongolia, the host will present the guest with a strip of silk or cotton. And then the guest is expected to bow. Not comfortable bowing? No worries. The article said you can get around bowing by simply exchanging a pipe or snuff box with the host. In New Zealand, there is one ancient tradition among the Hanji people where greeting someone involves getting up real close and personal and then rubbing noses with them. Here's one. It might be bad manners anywhere else in the world, but in Tibet, sticking out your tongue is a perfectly acceptable way to welcome someone. <laughs> now, how about this one? One way of welcoming guests on the Polynesian island of Tuvalu involves pressing your face to the other person's cheek, and then you take a long and deep sniff. Okay, now back to Martha and Mary welcoming Jesus. For some reason, many of us have come to treat the different way the two sisters welcome Jesus in a Dickensian manner. Remember how Charles Dickens juxtaposed life in London and Paris in A Tale of Two Cities? These were the best of times, and these were the worst of times. Many people try to draw a similar contrast between the way each sister welcomed Jesus. Mary's was the best of behaviors, and Martha's was the worst. Mary was the more spiritual one, and Martha just didn't seem to get it. But to be honest, I have never been all that sure why so many people jumped to that conclusion about Martha and Mary. So I consulted a few commentaries to see what type of welcome scholars believed in our gospel reading. Now here are a few insights from them, but I must confess that when I read them, I was really not all that satisfied. And that's because most of them were based 
on generalizations about the way Jewish men and women interacted at that time. Frankly, I always become a little more than skeptical when words like this are used about any group of people. They all believe this. Or they all do this, that, or the other. I don't think those things have ever been true about any group of people in human history. There's always been variation between groups and variety within them. And I believe first century Jewish culture was no different. Let's look at one of the possible mischaracterizations about Jewish women in general. The Talmud, a Jewish commentary, suggests that women of that time period were isolated. One passage says, she, a Jewish woman, must cover her head. And she is ostracized from all people and incarcerated within a prison as she typically spends all of her time in the house. Okay, that's one view. But then there is this passage in Luke that says, Jesus went through every city and village, preaching and bringing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him, and certain women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary called Magdalene, out of whom had come seven demons, Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod Stuart, and Susanna, and many others who provided for him from their substance. The key word in this passage to me is many. Seems to me there were tons of women that were not spending all of their time in the house. So which is it? Jewish women were housebound? Or were they free to follow the rabbi of their choosing? You can see that the conclusions that some commentators reached that unmarried women would never invite a visiting rabbi into their home might be a stretch in the first place. Many scholars believe that Bethany was a settlement of Galileans. Jesus was a Galilean. Is it possible that Jesus actually went there a lot to hang out with his hometown friends? So his presence in that village was really not that unusual after all. If that were the case, then the villagers would probably be used to seeing him come in and out of that home. Well, if that's true, they probably would not have thought another visit was that out of the ordinary. Next up, and what I found in some of the commentaries, was a focus on the gender of the people involved in the story, rather than the actual plot or message. You may be wondering how gender plays a role in this passage. Well, so did I. If I were to describe myself as a white, female, Episcopalian, middle-class, heterosexual American, would you nod in agreement? Would you? Yeah. But consider this. That's only me in this context and only this context. You need to know 
that if someone from our church in Belize were to hear me describe myself that way, they would have no idea I was talking about me. My point is this. The plural, women, automatically means women of many descriptions. And we shouldn't see the women in this one story as somehow being odd or out of the norm. A few of the commentaries immediately jumped to the conclusion that Martha was rushing about doing woman's work, cleaning and cooking. Well, that could lead to the conclusion that Martha wasn't spiritually mature enough to realize how important Jesus was and went about her housekeeping duties instead. Not spiritual enough? Let me tell you a story from the Gospel of John about this unspiritual woman. These sisters had a brother named Lazarus that had died. And they had sent word to Jesus that Lazarus was ill, and he sent back word saying that he was coming. Now Jesus shows up after Lazarus had died. I'm sure no one in the village believed that Jesus could have done something after the fact. A few days later, the sisters heard Jesus was in town. It was Martha who rushed to meet him. And Mary behaved in much the same way as she did in today's gospel reading. She lay back. Now Martha not only rushed to meet Jesus, she tells him that had he come when Lazarus was still alive, she believed he could have healed him. She was spiritually aware enough to recognize that he was God, right? In my opinion, you can't get more spiritually mature than having an unshakable confidence about who God is. The last conjecture I found was that Martha was trying to show Mary up to gain favor with Jesus. And so the different behavior was nothing more than sibling rivalry. How about Mary and Martha were just two siblings with different personality types? I have one sister, and guess what? She is just like Martha, and I am just like Mary. We've been that way from birth. No big deal. Let's end by focusing on what Jesus said about the difference in behavior between the two sisters. It's pretty clear that the two sisters responded to the Lord's presence in two different ways. Jesus seems to say that one of the choices was better than the other. Better all the time, or just this one occasion? Besides, better at what? Maybe better is not so much a matter of right and wrong as it is simply traditionally taught. Maybe better is just a matter of being aware at this one particular moment. <clears throat> Haven't each of us suffered from not seeing a situation as it could have been seen at some point in our lives? Of course we have, but we call those mistakes, not a sign of inferiority. So in what sense were Mary's actions better? 
Maybe the answer lies in Jesus' own words. Jesus told Mary that what she had focused on would not be taken away from her. What was the what? What was the what? I want to suggest to you that the what was the privilege of communicating with God. Jimmy and I visited London earlier this year, and a tour guide told us that one of the people executed at the Tower of London said, you can take my property, you can take my freedom, you can take my life, but what you cannot do is take my God away from me. Jesus was telling Mary that regardless of what failures she may have experienced in life, her relationship with God could never be taken away from her. That's the what. And that, my dear friends, is true for each and every single one of us. Even when life is swirling around us, like the metaphorical busyness of a Martha, we can simply rest, or as today's pray-as-you-go devotion puts it, relax in God's presence. Communicate with our God, being certain that he is not distracted by what's going on around us, and that he is there listening to our every word. And no one and no thing can ever take that away from us. Amen.